correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and I'm here with my buddy Steve. No. No? You're uh, you're not Steve? Who are you? Yeah. Most of the time, I'm Steve. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we're back... uh, from Gamer Nation Con, which was an adventure, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. An adventure is an understatement. <laughs> yes, but uh, we also have a guest tonight. Yes, we do. And uh, that ties into our D20 Network Spotlight, because today we're going to talk about the blog, where you can find wonderful posts from people like Lynn Whitson, uh, Wayne Basta, Egg Embry, Kim Franson, and uh, uh, th- this cat named Ben Erickson, who we happen to meet this weekend. Or well, last weekend, whatever. I don't know. Time is weird. Time is a flat it was, circle. It, it was a time ago. <laughs> yes, it was time zone. Well, you're at least you you got to stay in the same time zone, didn't you? I did. Thankfully, I did not have to deal with any jet lag. But you had to go all the way across the country, where we only had to go like two. I don't know. One time that zone. gets into math. So we went one time zone. We lost an hour. Mm-hmm. I felt really bad for the Californians, as always. Who. Mm-hmm. Seven o'clock games are starting and they're going, oh, crap, it's dinner time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you write for the blog as well. I do. So what do you, I mean, I kind of glanced over your, a lot of your articles. Do you have a specific thing you tend to focus on? When I started, it was kind of all over the place. This was back before it was D20 Radio. This was, I can't even remember what you were. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I can't remember what the acronym stood for at this point. Um, Gaming Security Agency? Security Agency, that sounds right. I've been listening to Old Order 66. 66. Uh, Yeah, I started there. I was kind of all over the place uh, when they relaunched as uh, just the D20 radio blog. I signed on as a contributor right away, and that was kind of more all over the place. Once I got approached to do a weekly column, I kind of moved into quote-unquote, the D&D guy. Uh, but I've since branched out from there into to other games and, and, and more more fantasy games. That's kind of my wheelhouse. Uh, we got a lot of real good sci-fi writers, but not a whole lot of straight-up fantasy content. That's something I've always found mildly amusing was that in the time that I've been familiar with D20 Radio as, as a network... The only podcast that's ever actually been, so to speak, D&D centric was the first campaign of Eberron Renewed. Way back in the day, they had Radio Free Hamlet as well, which was mm-hmm. fourth edition. So that tells you how long ago that was. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, it's, it's kind of telling where the network's roots are. Uh, came from a Star Wars podcast. So it really focuses around that space opera sci-fi shared love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we figured we'd uh, not only have you on to tell us about that, but because we met you at Gamer Nation Con, and I know at least last year you wrote a post-con review celebration whatever article 
and I forget who it was. Might have been JT asked me if we were going to do an episode about the con. I'm like, maybe, probably. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Let's see if Ben wants to come talk since he does that anyway. And maybe, you know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, in a couple, couple of weeks here, you'll be getting my uh, text version, much shorter text version of uh, the post-con breakdown uh, on the blog. I'll send you the recording. You can like text to speech thing it. <laughs> <laughs> and people go, who let this guy in? <laughs> He's been writing for how long? So, yeah. Where do you even start with it? Because both of us were there for the first time. Yeah. I mean, this was my fourth Gamer Nation Con. Uh, I've been trying to get there since the beginning, but various life forces arrayed against me those first four years. Uh, so my first one was Gamer Nation Con 5. But okay. I I was there, Gandalf. I remember the Kickstarter that launched the entire thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was kind of funny because, um, like I said, I, I've been going back and listening to some of the old Order 66 episodes and like where they're talking about launching it and then, oh, we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's been interesting in that regard yeah it was it was fun watching that first kickstarter where it was oh we just need five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and then they go oh what do we do with all this money now (laughs) i know (laughs) let's have a con and uh, tell me if if you think because i I will be the first to admit this is only the second quote-unquote gaming convention i've ever gone to so my sample size is uh relatively small the other being uh we have a local convention here called the pittsburgh gaming expo that steve and i got invited to go to last year and had a ball but like it felt less like a convention and i would equate it to like homecoming weekend for your college gaming club that's exactly it it's just like because I'm, I'm there as a first timer so i don't like i know some people from having talked to them be it through the podcast or on the various discords and messengers and blah 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 so, you know, like, okay, there's this person, there's this person, but then just watching the, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, that just happened every time someone walked into a room mm-hmm. was, was really neat. And, and just, I don't know, it was like kind of unexpected where like a lot of the other time you're at a convention and it's like, oh wait, there's someone I think I've seen before. Uh, I like in Gamer Nation count to the best parts of a family reunion. It's all the relatives you're happy to see, you're excited to see, and none of the yeah, none, none of the, other the ones. oh, that's that's Uncle So and So who yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly all these people. If I don't know who you, you are, I can Google your name. I can't Google Uncle So and So. Not saying that I had to Google anyone's name, but <laughs> I don't want anybody that I don't want anybody like um, listening to this thinking, oh man, that Steve guy, he's a jerk. <laughs> He don't know a, nobody. A real well, creature. He is, but which one Googling of us are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's I, what you guys call co- uh, plausible deniability. Yeah, plausible. Uh-huh. Which Steve is it? <laughs> which, which one is this one? Is this the one that wasn't there most of the time? Or is this the one that was there all the time? It's a weird one. Oh, wait, that doesn't help. That doesn't help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help even me. <laughs> You know, the Steve that's the weird one. Yeah, is that the inner one, the outer one, or the other one? So I think 
well, maybe we start not to go through it chronologically, but maybe we start on Wednesday. If we're going to try and recap the con, nothing happened. And then we went to an arcade. <laughs> well, even before that though, like for me, so I, you know, obviously I fly in because, um, it's a long way from here to there. Mm-hmm. So, and I happen to what get are you talking to about. Home. It's only like three and a half hours. Well, yeah. If three and a half hours at, at, yeah, at flight speed. <laughs> uh, so I get to the hotel at basically right at check-in time and I go up to the desk and they're like, well, I'm so, we're sorry, but you know, the type of room you reserved, we only have one available right now and it's handicapped accessible. Do you mind waiting a few minutes? They're getting the others ready. And I'm like, sure. No problem. So I turn around, walk across the lobby, which is all of 20 feet wide at most turn back around and in through the door comes GM Chris with Sam Stewart behind him. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, hi, Chris. And he's like, Oh, hi, Steve. Hey, glad you made it. Blah. This is Sam Stewart. And so we're talking a little bit and they're kind of checking in whatever. And then I think you rolled up with Phil and Brett and JT and Darren yep, and Kate. Kate. <laughs> like that, all of you showed up while we're standing there talking. And it was just like this strange moment of, oh my God, these people are real. <laughs> they exist outside of Zoom windows. Yeah, they're not just voices on the internet. They have torsos and legs. <laughs> but yeah, then we had the... Uh, kind of the meet and greet get together that was fun and that's relatively new for gamer nation con they just started kind of doing they used to do like a pre-con dinner mm-hmm. they had a couple of folks within the con who would do barbecue and i don't know if that just got too expensive or too time consuming or, or what but i want to say this was the first year we uh actually went somewhere off-site mm-hmm well, well, that was technically uh, a stretch goal for the Kickstarter, too. Yes, yes. And yeah, I think it really, worked really well. I honestly think that was a really good... Like, if I was a Kickstarter backer and I paid in for that, I would have been really happy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it, was, it was also thematic. It was real nice. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the, the original roller rink was also thematic, but I'm like, this... I, I don't think I talked to anyone who was upset with the change. <laughs> well, I think we collectively were like, are you going to roller skate? Because I ain't. Right. Well, see, I, I have two titanium hips. Oh, see, they're indestructible. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, okay, look, my surgeon told me like, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically he told me, look, you can do more or less, what, but don't do stupid crap. And I feel like going halfway across the country getting on roller skates for the first time in 30 years qualifies as stupid crap. Mm -hmm. I have to agree. I think, I think your doctor would be proud of the decision you made. (laughs) See, cut to me. I'm in the doctor's office going, I thought they were titanium. (laughs) (sighs) So yes, we had the get together at what's it called? The free play arcade or something. Free play. Yep. Yep. Free, free play barcade. Really cool. A lot of really cool games in there. Nice selection of pinball machines and everything. And every era of arcade cabinet. Yeah. Pretty much represented from original, original stuff. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they had a, I don't know if they had a Pong machine, but they definitely had an old Pac-Man table. They had a modern Pong machine. That's what it was. That's what it was. The modern Pong machine was like a physical, like, 
physical items. It was clearly just a digital interface, but it was like a physical block moving across a table. It was really neat. Um, oh, so you like had like a slider to move instead of you the had dial. Like a, you had a dial, but inside, rather than it being a digital display, it was like the dial, like imagine like uh, air hockey. Okay. The dial directly corresponded to a little white block that moved across. Let me see if I can. <laughs> yes, because actively Googling works so well in a podcast. <laughs> I know, but it's a well-known visual medium. Yes, it is. I mean, and trust me, you don't want us to do a video podcast. <laughs> we thought for half a second, we're like, well, we'll, uh, I'll throw it up in the green room, okay. but we'll, we'll live stream that. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that is cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was like a retro modern interpretation of Pong. Yeah. Very, very Tron. Yes. But yeah, it's the actual items that are moving in the board are 3D items in space. Okay. And then you have a dial on your side that you twist and turn to make it do things. Okay. And I didn't see that. I don't know. I found they had the old Iron Man Stewart cabinet. I found my weird Japanese rhythm games back in the corner, so I hung oh, out there for yes. a good while. <laughs> Those Shadow over Mistara. Oh, yeah. Plus a lot of really good fighting games, like the Japanese-style fighting game cabinets. With They had Melody Blood. They had Strive. They had uh, Street Fighter Three. I want to say it was Third Strike. Like It was like a legitimate... I could see myself spending some time here. So yeah, it's a good thing I don't live down live down there. Yeah, yeah, I could see money going away if I lived near there. I wonder if they do like a membership thing. I don't know. They might. It looked it looked like it was looked like it was punch cards to me. After yeah, okay. yeah, X drinks you get uh, a free entry. Ah, uh, okay. Still, that was a cool place. It was a very cool place. I had a really nice orange cranberry mead. It was delicious. I had one of their I had their pulled pork flatbread. That was very good. Yeah. So then first day of the con. And I don't know. It was that the started first day at noon, not eleven fifty, not eleven fifty nine. Nope. Nope. <laughs> don't show up early. Get there at noon. I rolled in at like two o'clock because I was still jet lagged. <laughs> that was Yeah, I met somebody two well at the time, random people off the Discord for breakfast at the diner out front of the plaza. And got to put a face with a name that I'd heard, you know, on Order 66, etc. I'm like, oh, okay. I've heard of this person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had breakfast with uh, Kirby and Dono. Oh, yep, yep. It was actually my first time meeting meeting Corby in person uh, was this convention. But uh, yeah, Dono, we go way back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a name I've heard come up many times on Mm -hmm. Order 66. And then, yes, the con itself started and... Everyone filed in, and you're going, okay, I know who that person is. I know who that person is. I know who that Who's that person? Well, oh. I'm sure I'll find out by the end of the day. <laughs> and I just kind of took it all in for the first few hours and kind of actually ended up sitting in a corner talking with Scott Zumwalt and Keith Kappel for like yeah. three and a half hours. Yep. That was that was me for a while. I sat there and on that conversation because, I don't know. Sometimes when, when the masters speak, you listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing worth pointing out too, is this is even as 
or as Scott puts it, who, you know, Scott being the head of the Genesis community, Facebook group and discord and et cetera, he calls it the unofficial Genesis forum <laughs> or convention uh, rather convention. I mean, and that is actually from, uh, I, I want to say it was Sam himself back, uh, when he was still working for FFG. Mm-hmm. Well, as, and I've heard the story multiple times, but I heard it that weekend from Sam himself that this convention actually spawned the invention of Genesis. Yep. Yep. GM Phil himself. But yeah, so it was just, you know, and there's games going on and I'm just kind of like watching and this and like, wow. And of course, at this point, should also say, I had never run a game at a convention before. <laughs> so what does my genius ass do? I sign up to run three games in three different systems, <laughs> only one of which I have ever actually GM'd before, technically. To be fair, we were intending to run games at, at PGX, but neither of our games ended up firing, which is nobody's fault. I mean, it's just a different audience. Yeah. Um, I, I, I we did overly indie. Yeah, I wonder if that's what happened there, or if it was just a. A lot of people didn't even realize there was that corner, but that's yeah. a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did the same thing. To be fair, I mean, although one of my games is only a page long, <laughs> so. But yeah, I as far as Thursday, I sat and had a conversation with you guys, and then I was signed up for Ghostbusters at like seven p.m. And that was, uh, let me just gush for a second about West End Games Ghostbusters. Ugh, I love it. I love it. I think it's my new favorite system. I, I, I can't wait to play it again. I can't wait to run something with it. I can't. It's so simple. It's so perfect. And I went the uh, opposite direction of, of both y'all. I've learned very, I, I've learned in years past that I need to get a game on the table as soon as possible so I can get over my own nerves and get into the convention groove. Cause it doesn't matter how many years I've been there or how many times I've run for these people. I am so incredibly nervous going into that first game. <laughs> well, that's, and we had had conversations on a discord leading up to this, you know, where I was, I, I I'm pretty sure y'all could see me shaking like yep, through Brit, my Brit, type. Brit, and- <laughs> Brit and I were talking you off the ledge. <laughs> and look, you know, I, Brett and I have become pretty good friends, you know, through various conversations and whatever. But I, I was just a nervous wreck. And of course, both of y'all are playing in my game, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, it, and so it was just like, OK. And then finally, and, and I kind of like in the back of my mind, I knew that once I sat down and things started, it would just become, you know, a game session and away we go. Yep. But knowing that and convincing the other three quarters of my brain of that are two very different things. Absolutely. Yes. We are not logical beings. You got to be one of my first convention victims in, uh, what ended up being, uh, another iteration of, uh, my murder mall scenario, which Steve was one of the original victims of, although originally it was for cyberpunk 2020 and it was a campaign opener. Yeah. And victim Although, is is not the correct term. <laughs> we made other people's victims. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I think the only victims in our game was uh, Guns N' Roses. <sighs> yeah, they weren't in the original iteration. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of an '80s ish spice up. But so yeah, and then what well, did it close at midnight the first night? Most I, most everything tends to wrap up around eleven, but uh, yeah, they close the doors at midnight. I want to say. 
the rest of the week. No, it's two o'clock the rest of the week. I thought uh, two o'clock on Saturday. Oh, was it just Saturday? Yep, I want to say Friday. I thought it was Friday too, but I don't know. And maybe I'm misremembering. All I no, know is I, by had 11 a, I, had a, I had a nine o'clock on Friday. Oh, okay. So yes. So yeah, that was Ghostbusters. What did you run to kick things off? I ran a, I had put together a, a D&D game uh, where I took the iconic, <laughs> air quotes. and I can't express the air quotes enough, Dungeons & Dragons Saturday morning cartoon from the 80s. Oh, I had heard. Yes, we we heard. I heard tales of this, and least. I had built uh, built characters out of all six of the original cast, and put stats together for Venger and Warduke, and uh, spun together a little more traditional adventure type of adventure around it. Okay, so yeah, that that, that was day one, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit. Well, it's a Thursday afternoon, so. Not a lot of people. Friday, everything kicks off at nine o'clock in the morning. Thursday is traditionally one of the slower days. You've got the the MVG games going on. You've got kind of the core locals uh, and the people who could get in early. Uh, but yeah, traditionally, that's the that's the slowest day. Okay. And then I think Saturday is kind of when everything kicks off in earnest. Now, the other thing for those of you who have never gotten to go to the place that hosts this is a shop called Dallas Games Marathon. And essentially, it's a board game club, as, as uh-huh. I understand it. Now, board game club, you figure, okay, they've got some board games for you to, to use. Well, they have taken this to the extreme. I think the count I heard was over 2,700 board games that you can just grab and use. And like literally everything from I saw just classic chess to Gloomhaven to at one point, someone we were playing around with an original. Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers Planet of the Apes board game that was someone found on a shelf like, oh, I gotta look at this and see what it is. The gems you can find on those shelves and the gems you can find on the shelves. <laughs> There's some stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, was, I was poking around and was like, ugh. <laughs> okay. That's when you forget that licensing, everything was not... Uh... Is not a new phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> and licensing everything to the lowest bidder is not a new phenomenon. No. no. Uh, oh, wow. But yeah, I, Dallas Games Marathon, shout out to them. They run one of what I think is the coolest ideas for a game store I've ever seen, where it's basically a lot. I, I don't know. If, I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys talked about this. It's basically like a library mm-hmm. that you can pay and borrow games to play there which is really neat i I really dig that as far as an idea for a game store and i believe they run a lot of tournaments and things like that in their normal day-to-day operations but uh no they've been very very good to the gamer nation con we've been there seven out of the eight conventions Mm -hmm. well i know i happened to see on their facebook the night before the con they actually had a minis painting class there too Mm -hmm. yep all sorts of all sorts of real good stuff there and then there was Saturday or Friday, Friday. I'm skipping Friday, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you jumped a day. Well, see my Friday turned into a blur because I ended up getting a pickup game to open the day off. Well, sort of a pickup game, a, Hey, uh, I need players. Um, are you and Jesse doing anything? <laughs> and I don't, did you play in that one? Brett's ADC Friday morning? 
Uh, no, no, I did not get a chance to actually play any games Brett was GMing this year, but uh, depending on which module it was, uh, I, I did get to play some ADC last year. I Okay, the one that I got to play this year was the the original one, Okay, not that the one, one he brought last year, which we actually helped him play test. Yep, that one I have not gotten a chance to play. Uh, but the, yeah, the one you guys helped play test uh, was was that was a that was a riot of a game. Oh yeah. No, uh, and and Friday I I didn't have anything until afternoon for myself, so I took the morning, slept in a little bit, got uh, got a good breakfast, and and showed up showed up a little later in the morning. Ah, okay. Because I think I had that. Then I got I got to play in Smitty's. Uh, Genesis game, Captain Smitty's Genesis game, which was really cool. I don't know if you've heard about that setting he's working on. It's kind of a classic, like fifties retro sci-fi type thing. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw the 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 write up in the in the schedule. That was really neat. Kind of like your kind of like classic like monsters. You know, like I was playing kind of a Frankenstein-y thing, and there was a dog man and a you know a, like a psychic and it was it was really cool a lot of fun and of course he he had messaged me before the con it's like do you want to look over some of these characters and see if there's something you want to play and the one and it, it showed that well apparently my reputation is not quite as as large as it should be because this character specialized in large and huge improvised weapons which I can see Steve grinning. I take that as a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> what is the biggest thing I can grab? Well, see, I opened by throwing cafeteria tabletops like death frisbees. Then I picked up one of those, you know, because we're in a food court in a mall, right? So I'm like, okay, I feel like it's, and I would have story pointed if I'd needed to, but didn't feel like it was even, and, and Caleb didn't either that, you know, Remember those, they were in all the food courts and most fast food restaurants, those big double trash can things with the trays? Yes. Like two trash yes. cans. <laughs> yes. I'm going to pick one of those up and just like kind of use it as a hammer. Uh, I, I just looked up the game. The The setting is Atomic Tales of San Burbanko. Yes, yes. It was with a lot of fun. shout out. Yes. And what else did I do? Oh, um, so, and we're in this military base, right? And so it's... We go to the armory. Well, like, what am I going to get out of a standard military armory that I can be inventive with? Like, oh, maybe I can just get a heavy crate. And I'm like, oh, wait, no. Can I get, like, a two-wheel dolly to push the crate on and a ratchet strap with it? Like, okay. I mean, that's not too much of a reach. Well, truth be told, I didn't even use the crate. I put the strap over the dolly and just started spinning. Like I said. You tell me improvised weapons, I take it as a challenge. <laughs> I'm going to come up with the most inventive ways to kill your NPCs. <laughs> oh, but that was really cool. And I'm trying to remember. It, it, the other thing that happened to me, and I don't know if this is common, but it seemed like every session I had, there was somebody who had been in the previous session I was in. Like, not like, it, it was just like one person and then a different person and a different person. But it was really kind of neat, too, because you're like, okay, I played with this person a little bit. I I get how they act. Mm -hmm. And it kind of helped with that, you know, oh, it's a new table. How do we all fit together? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the 
it's a big enough group where you're going to be playing with enough different people, but small enough where there's considerable overlap in the tables. So you never feel like you're performing for complete strangers. And then what? I think I had a break then. Did you did you do anything? Friday? Steve? Yeah. No. Again. I remember seeing you a time or two, but. Yeah, I was there. Uh, I hung out. I, I had a little bit more of a conversation. I swear. Zumwalt and Kappel's conversation went all weekend um, because on multiple occasions, I would just see those two together sitting at a table and I would be like, I could just jump back in on that conversation. And it would be the same conversation that they were having two days prior. <laughs> and and I just have to say, I, and I'm not both, saying that to de- dog on them, but sorry. They're both excellent writers, but like Keith is like the most unassuming person ever. Like, I think Keith would be perfectly happy to just sit in the corner and watch the con and watch everyone have fun. You have picked his MO perfectly. <laughs> it's just like, you're like, oh, oh, that's Keith Cappell. And you're, you're kind of like, it, it, some of it will just happen with other people. You know, you always build those mental images of, of what someone looks like or whatever. And then you meet them and it's just like, well, I don't know what I expected. But it wasn't that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, as far as what I did Friday, a lot of my Friday was spent with you and your downtime and just being like, all right, who do I need to know? And you walking around and being like, hey, have you met Steve? Meet Steve. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was how I was introduced to a lot of people, including JJ, the wonderfully awesome person from, uh, Sessions. Oh, yes. Yeah. And having the most bizarre moment of my podcasting career so far which was somebody actually asking for a photo of us and not me being like, can I get a photo with you? (laughs) Yeah, that was a little bit, I think that happened twice at least. I don't know. Oh, it happened to me twice. I know it happened to me twice because somebody came up to me and was like, oh, hey, before you leave, can I get a pic? I'm like, sure. Do you know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) Like not trying to be rude to you, but do you know who I am? Like, (laughs) Can I get a pick? Why? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was you know, the a worst bit part weird. is I've talked to actual celebrities like that, <laughs> where it's like you're in a movie and you just why why do you want a picture with me? What do you want? Like, oh, what's your angle here? What's your yeah? What's what's the de- who sent you? <laughs> but yeah, that was my Friday. I I did not much of anything Friday, honestly. I really, and I'll be perfectly honest, I misprepared for this con. I was absolutely expecting something that I didn't get. I was expecting maybe a slightly bigger con, and I, I would that was my own fault. I was also expecting, I don't know. I don't know what I was really expecting, but I, I basically left myself free for a bunch of it, and that was a sort of mistake. I could have absolutely booked my entire con and had a great time. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm used to being at more free form. You know what I mean? Well, I think too, there was a lot of people just picking up, you know, random board games, whatever, and just but us being first time, it was kinda like it's hard to know what to expect for a con like this. And I'm socially awkward enough to not talk to people. Right. <laughs> like I'm socially awkward enough to be like, Oh hey, they're playing a game. Good for them. <laughs> I'll just, just sit over here and watch. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but some of it, it's like, oh, wow, that looks like a neat game. What's that title? Okay. And I'm not the biggest board gamer because I joked um, the three of us and our friend Jesse 
mm-hmm. ended up playing mun- a round of Munchkin Panic, which I was joking, right? I've owned it for, I don't know, three and a half years, and it's sitting right over here, still in the shrink wrap. Like halfway across the country. Uh-huh. To play a game that you already own. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I will, and then for now, Friday night, I had a session, I, I ran Delta Green, which... I had a little bit of an experience that initially I was a bit uncomfortable and I didn't bother to list Delta green as 18 plus. Cause one, I was starting at nine o'clock at night and two, it was kind of like, okay, it's Delta green. I marked it as, you know, surreal cosmic horror. And so, yeah, I saw I had names signed up. Okay. So people start sitting down at the table and there's this, what I later found out was a 12 year old sits down and clearly the person next to them was one of their parents mm-hmm. just for the way they were interacting. And I'm kind of like, man, I like, look, I, you know, <laughs> and it turns out parents were very aware of what was going on. And the scenario I ran, which is the quick start scenario, if anyone's read it, doesn't get incredibly graphic or incredibly like, it's not weird for a Delta green scenario. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, some of their stuff really gets out there, but this one is, is relatively relatively grounded. Yes. By, by Delta green standards, more X files than yeah, a little more X files than, than some of the really crazy stuff, but it was still just kind of a, a weird experience. And it turns out the kid played wonderfully, was very into it, very involved, was right there great player but it was still just one of those moments of like oh damn did i mess up <laughs> no and uh i actually i pulled up the uh pulled up your list i actually had the 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 same family in my D game earlier that day and uh yeah phenomenal players all of them but uh yeah he was i'm looking forward to great things from him in the future oh, yeah great player but like i said it's just one of those like you know now my I can't imagine gaming with my parents in the first place, but, and maybe it's because, well, okay. To make a long story really, really short, I avoided D and D early on in my gaming career because of how I grew up and my parents still kind of, you know, the satanic panic was still real to them, which is how the first long running campaign I ever got into was fifth edition call of Cthulhu <laughs> because it wasn't D and D. And if anyone knows anything about Call of Cthulhu, there's some wonderful irony in that. Oh, that's I, I that was just thinking that. That's that's great. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. It's not D and D. No, let me just summon the Dark Lord Cthulhu. All right, we're good. It's not <laughs> the titular devil. <laughs> He's uh, worse. <laughs> he, he might be. I one could argue. Oh, that's funny but yeah and i I was really go go ahead ahead. no go ahead i was gonna say i was really kind of happy with that you know the nerves were more or less gone at that point as far as just the oh i'm jamming at a con for strangers blah 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 and then i after the con actually got word that some of the people at the table were looking to actually go and buy delta green they had a good enough time so that made me feel like i did a really good job yeah that sounds nice uh yeah to me back at the hotel eating pizza so (laughs) Yeah, Friday was my big jamming day. Uh, I had another D and D session in the afternoon, and then that evening I threw down my first first run of my Sentinel Comics game, uh, the How Tron Legacy. Uh, we will talk about that later, actually. 
Aha. But uh, suffice to say, it is very good. I know I saw, I think we saw their initial like demo quick starter packet and were something by it. I'm not sure how to. I was, so I think me and you sat down at one point and had a conversation about Sentinel Comics. Yeah, because your one buddy had it. Yeah, my buddy had it. Uh, he'd bought the Jumpstart way back before there was actually a, an RPG. Like, before it was a full-fledged game, they released yep. the Jumpstart and were like, try it and let us know what you think. And I read that Jumpstart, and I think you read that Jumpstart too, Steve, or you have it. No, I looked at, at your buddies. Yeah, yes. well, it was his, but we like looked yep. it over. I read yeah. the whole thing well, and yeah, was, it was very big. not impressed. <laughs> but we can talk about that more later. So yeah. Someone else is hinting at something. Right. Yeah. What other? And that was Friday. Yeah. So then we move into Saturday. Yes. Uh, where all kinds of people started showing up. Mm-hmm. And I opened the morning with a game that I found courtesy for our Game of the Week set- segment called Havoc Brigade. Mm-hmm. Now, if anyone's not heard of this, this is, if, if you're into rules light pretty much anything goes common games for (laughs) con. This is one of, I mean, it's not a one page game, including the pre-gens and the map. I think the whole file is 24 pages counting the cover written by Grant Howitt, who some people may know probably best known for honey heist, although he's written some serious games as well. But the conceit of havoc brigade is that all the players, well, five of the six players are orcs. Well, four. One is a half-orc, and the other player character is six goblins. <laughs> so, now what happens is you are tasked by the Grand Warlord Skull Smasher, I believe his name is, to go into the city and do something havocy, such as steal the princess's unicorn and flog it for beer money, or disrupt the prince's kidnap the prince to interrogate him for military secrets at his birthday party. You know, crazy stuff like this, right? And half the the whole thing of the game is just get creative, do crazy things, and see what happens. Very simple D6 mechanics. And of course, I had uh, Terry and Jim from the Austin crew in this game, among others. Mm-hmm. And so the opening gambit, well, how are we going to get into the city? I know. We'll go hunting owl bears. Okay, so they hunt owlbears, take the carcasses, climb inside them, and pretend to be a circus troupe of trained owlbears. <laughs> okay. And, and like I said, this is the, the opening gambit. They ended up flying the prince out of the castle along with the goblins on flying pigs that they stole from a barge in the river. Yeah, with an opening gambit like that, it's... I've already lost all control of this narrative. Let's see how far they can take it. (laughs) But that's the whole point of the game. And what's really funny though, is according to the, the packet and you can get the game. I think it's pay what you want on itch. It's like, I don't know, three, four bucks on drive through. And by the way, completely worth it is a light con game. Great fun. But, uh, so he play tested the concepts using the dark heresy rule set. (laughs) <laughs> which I'm not actually that familiar with, but just the concepts of using dark heresy to test havoc brigade. And and part of the way the system works is right. You have pieces of equipment or different traits as your orc. And if you can somehow 
even thinly narratively justify using that to give you an advantage, you get to add a die for the thing. And like your equipment, most equipment has like three uses until it's used up, but you can scavenge equipment to have more things. So yeah, that was bizarre and fun and much laughter was had by all. That was my morning. I think that's maybe where I step in at like noon, one o'clock, uh, 1 PM right over top of Sam Gregor Stewart's Q and a, I had a game that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast called it wasn't us meddling kids. That was for a, a game that had no participants when it started and ended up with actually one over what I had put online was an uproarious time. Uh, that game started with everybody sitting down at the table. I passed the rules around. So it's a literally one page RPG, but staples wouldn't print front on back. Thanks staples for making me pay for that extra page. Anyways, <laughs> um, passed it around the table. They all read the rules. Everybody understood what was going on. Go around. Who do you want to play? Who do you want to play? Who do you want to play? You know, just right down to it. Got started, set the timer. And it's about the time that they locked Gilbert Gottfried and George Takai in a closet was the time at which I couldn't see from laughing so hard. <laughs> I think I blacked out. I think I lost oxygen to my brain and passed out at least twice. Um, well, you have to give the basic premise of this game, too. Well, yeah. So the basic premise is... Um, what if Scooby gang, but replace Shaggy with Shaggy, the recording artist. <laughs> uh, so we have broken Ben. <laughs> I just need to enjoy that for a moment. And I well, would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for you meddling kids, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Plus the person that ended up playing Shaggy had no idea who it was. Shout out to you, Jesse. I'm calling you out on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's just disappointing. I know. Well, and it took like two seconds and he was like, I think I know who that is. I was like, well, which is actually knowing Jesse as well as I do. Jesse has an amazing breadth of knowledge of things. He has no reason to know yeah. So for him to have no clue was kind of surprising. It, it was. That's why I was like, Oh, Oh, well, and here's the funny thing. Shaggy has had something of a Renaissance lately. Yes. Literally, just earlier this year, he released a full album of Frank Sinatra covers. Yes, and they're and not... it is unironically amazing. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, the album was produced by Sting. That takes some putting together mentally. It does. It shouldn't. It's one of those things that, it, by all accounts, it should not work. But it works uh, wonderfully. Yeah. I now I should say I I like the Police. Some from time to time. Some of Sting's solo stuff's okay. But he has gotten weird. Yep. <laughs> in a eccentric musician sort of weird. And I say this as someone who is a fan of Frank Zappa. Okay? He's gotten weird, says the Frank Zappa weird. fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I'm not trying to say that he's bad or even that I dislike his material. Just that... Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. And then... Yeah. I don't, Saturday no, that night, was my Saturday. I played only way I know is Jerry, who had that custom. I guess you could call it fate esque system, but he oh, actually yeah. uses numbers on dice. But he was playing through uh, a movie scenario that I had never heard of the movie, 
but apparently a neat little movie called Night of the Comet, which was some sort of zombie themed For thing. you having bad movie bingo, or not bad movie bingo, but bad movie night in college, I'm shocked that you never got to Night at the Comet. Dude, we went like Kentucky Fried Movie. Well, I know, but madness. this is a... Night of the Comet is a um, Ed Wood movie. Then they might have... I might just not have been there the night they did it. Or, they did not make No, all it's them. not an... Ed, eh, I thought it was. I might be wrong. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But uh, that was fun. Got to, to help him kind of playtesting the system and, and feel out some things for it. And it's really neat. You know, what he's got going is, is, is really neat and well, well thought out. And uh, the other thing he did, and he just did this for himself... But the thing that I thought was really neat is he made himself modular map tiles just with a Sharpie and paper. But like, and the way he did movement in the game was via zones. So like there was four zones to a full page. And then he would have these almost index size card things he would add on around it to illustrate other zones. that You really just needed to know were there for movement, but not necessarily like, you know, didn't necessarily have to have detail on them. More like this is the direction the bad guys are coming from. You can see them. But it, it really brought, you know, made the movement very easy to understand, which I thought was really, really neat. I told him, I said, you know, you marketed like those. I might buy them. <laughs> I could think of many games that I could use those for. You know, and in his case, they were just sort of like random, like city street kind of tiles. But he'd have like, say, a section that was like the middle of a block and then an intersection. And, you know. Oh, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me see if I can pull them out. But uh, I know uh, he had made his, but I was just looking at it. And I'm going, you know, if I had that level of artistic ability, I would do that for myself. But something like this mm, in that vein. But his were just literally drawn on, you know, like copier paper. Gotcha. But yeah, along that line. But I, I almost liked that they were even plainer than those. So they didn't necessarily give you a theme. Or those, you know, the ones that you showed look to me like they're like, almost look yeah. like frag maps type, like some of their work. Uh, but Chris West, actually. Uh, okay, those are Chris West. Well, yeah, like I said, but they, they have kind of a cyberpunkish look to them. At least very classic theme, yeah, the... very classic theming. But yeah, that was, that was my Saturday it was, I guess, only two game sessions. Seems like there was more than that. Uh, we... Was Saturday the day we played Panic, Munchkin Panic yes, in the middle? Yes, that was the day we played Munchkin yep. Panic. And then my Saturday night, well, yeah, I only played three games then that, that day. Was that the day you ran? Cyborg. You... Cyborg, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so um, Saturday night, 9 p.m., right when all the kitties had to leave and it turned into adult hour, I ran Cyborg The Long Dark Night, which is admittedly just the opening scenario out of the book which is a really great opening scenario to the game it is it, it, it's really well written and it's perfect to get you into that mindset of oh we are disposable and <laughs> i don't know i don't know if you know this game it's it's so it's by the um stockholm cartel it's yeah the, it's a variation on markborg yeah it's the spiritual sequel essentially because it's it's a little bit better on the system and they really dialed into that theming of it being like a cyborg, cyberpunk future type thing. And so ran that. And I don't know if I just had the right group or what, 
but immediately, as soon as they're given the task, two of them go, we're going to blow up the sewers and back up the toilets. <laughs> I'm like, great, great, fantastic. I know I I didn't get Ocean's Eleven. I got Demolition Man. I <laughs> Like, see, when you ran it for, for myself and a couple other people uh, the one time before, silly ass, we snuck in the back door. Yeah, no, they were... They were going to plug up the toilets and sneak in through the sewers, I think. And then <laughs> it was, I don't know what their actual, like, they never had a moment where they all went, okay, we need to talk about this. There were just a bunch of ideas thrown out, and they all went in that direction of those ideas. Like, <laughs> they got inside the casino during working hours, and the one guy decided he was going to go seduce a guard and steal his uniform. And he ended up getting murdered in the bathroom. Like, as you do. Yeah, well, <laughs> seduction role didn't go well. And it was a, it was like, this is the most bizarre. And then the grenade happened, which I don't know. I'm going to spoil it. I'm never going to run this, this well, again. I, I think maybe it's best just said that if you read the scenario or the book and we say the grenade. Yeah. You, you you know don't. what we're talking about, right? Though. I guess the people that don't know don't know. But the grenade we'll, we'll happened. tell you once we're off done recording. Yeah, <laughs> um, the grenade happened, and uh, everybody got new characters, and we did it again. And this time we had a better plan. Uh, <laughs> Mind you, character gen takes like five minutes. I had enough characters made for them to kill themselves four or five times, and then I had contingencies. I was like. All right, look, here's the deal. If you if you if we run out of characters, y'all are going to have to start swapping. Like, you get my, here, you take my character, I'll take yours. We're going to file the names off of them and go. <laughs> <laughs> so, that second round, they made a much better plan and got all the way in and managed to get me convinced enough to let their orphan gearhead take their walking tank down into the lower levels of the casino and finish off the actual fight they had down there with one shot. <laughs> and so congratulations. That's the game. You know, like we don't need to continue any further. So they went and they saved the princess and it was a, another fantastic time that had not only me, but everybody at the table dying, laughing at points and just absolutely astonished. And it reminded me of why I like to run games, which is something that, you know, I haven't had in a minute. But yeah, that was that was my Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, Saturday for me, I I left it. Oh, well, I didn't schedule myself any games to run. I'm like, this is my day to play. So Saturday morning, I got to join in. I've got the privilege of playing online with uh, Darren every other week in a Savage Pathfinder game, but I got to play in his Savage Worlds a game Saturday morning, then I had a little bit of a break. was able to grab lunch with the uh, Everon crew. And then uh, right after our little round of uh, Munchkin, Munchkin Panic, I uh, jumped in and got to play in GM Phil's Transformers Mechasis game. And I say this as someone who... Transformers is one of those franchises that kind of passed me by. It's a little bit of a blind spot for me. That was so much fun. <laughs> um, because your characters are all vehicle scale, and you 
forced to basically maintain speed. So their solution for doing uh, movement in uh, Mechasis is instead of the normal Genesis range bands, uh, it's very similar to like zones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you take your first movement at the beginning of your turn or at the end of your turn, before your actions or after your actions. And it was the most fluid Genesis combats I have ever seen. And I am probably going to be stealing that for even regular Genesis games I run. Yeah, I haven't taken the time to dive into Mechasis as much as I'd like to yet, but I've had it for a while now. It's just, it's one of those, uh, I have so many things I want to do. It's on that list, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, you know, there's literally all sorts of other games going on while we're doing all this. Oh yeah. Yeah. This doesn't even touch on the, the number of games that I could not play because I was either running or playing or mm-hmm. not enough hours in the day. Um, yeah. I know I saw at least one Dungeon Crawl Classics funnel being run on Saturday. Uh, I know JT had run a Conan game at this point. Lots of very good games from very talented GMs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had literally, uh, I mean, I had fun the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. got to play, I mean, yeah, got to play new stuff, stuff I've only played once or twice. Because Sunday morning, I ended up, I played a JT's Monster of the Week game, mm-hmm. which we actually just, well, as we record this morning, the last episode of the little Monster of the Week campaign we ran and recorded dropped. JT's was a little different than ours, but it was sort of eh, Stranger Things themed, which was cool and fun. Yeah, he called it, what, weirder stuff or something like that? I don't even remember. All I remember seeing was Monster of the Week and JT, and I went, okay, I'll play. It was something pithy like that. Yeah, weirder stuff. Did either of you do anything Sunday morning? Uh, no. Sunday, Sunday was my last game. Uh, so I ran my second slot of Sentinel Comics at 9 a.m. Ah, yeah. 9 a.m. Sundays little bit of a rough time after that weekend, especially the first time. <laughs> and especially if you you haven't learned to pace yourself on four dog after dark. <laughs> <laughs> because just, just being in that environment is intoxicating enough, adding actual alcohol on top of it. Well, yeah, I discovered peanut butter whiskey. Oh, it tastes like caramel. But it's weird because it tastes like it's sweet, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh I I have not um I hadn't had much to drink for the past four months. I just sort of laid off of that stuff. And I know me and my girlfriend got a six pack to share. <laughs> and I was like, I'm feeling it. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. I don't need to do this no more. Uh thank you, Lyft. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was Saturday morning. I didn't roll out of bed for nothing. No. <laughs> Uh, no, so yeah, Sunday morning I, uh, I I rolled into the convention center or DGM five minutes before my game. <laughs> yeah, I I did got there on time, but that was about it. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean after that we had uh, kind of a little game shut down around one o'clock. People broke for lunch. Then two p.m. You guys got to experience the Gamer Nation Con auction. Yeah, first time. Which. Um... Which you want to explain it? Yeah. So for so the the convention kind of runs on its own currency. For every hour of registered events you run or play in, 
you earn experience, 10 experience per hour. When, whether that's a RPG that's on the schedule or a board game you just pick up and play with people, they've got sign-up sheets, fill it out, turn it in the front, they count out the experience you hand it out. With that experience, you then get to bid on a wide array of uh, different items, uh, just general swag, board games, uh, people donated like various crafts. You dated your miniatures from yeah um, yeah the yeah the D and D miniatures I actually I uh, donated because a I didn't want them to I didn't want them in my carry on them on the way back home <laughs> and b they were just going to sit somewhere in my office in the case likely not doing anything let's send them home with someone who really wants them mm-hmm. um, and actually go, going back to uh, your your Delta Green story. It was uh, the the that younger guy who, as soon as they came up, said, "Dad, I really want those." Cool. Family pooled together their experience, and cool. I want to say it was 710 experience it finally went for. So 71 combined hours of role playing or gaming. Cool though, it's really cool to see that. I know I ended up getting that uh, really neat Star Wars dice tray tower thing. Mm-hmm. That uh, I think. Said Darren donated it, but I guess Chris Bradshaw printed Chris it. Bradshaw had printed it. Yep. I know you got some miscellaneous this and that. If I don't remember. Yeah, I I I picked up all little stuff that could fit in my bag home. Mm-hmm. I got a copy of Coin Age. I got a a copy, a physical copy of Everyone Is John, which I then promptly had signed by Chris and Dave. Mm-hmm. Because I have a I have a player in my. Uh, Sunday D and D game that when I told him, I'm, Oh yeah, you know, I'm on, I have a podcast and I'm on this network. And he's like, uh, isn't that the guy that wrote everyone is John? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, oh no, you don't know him. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be hanging out with him. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was like, can you sign this for me? <laughs> so I brought it back this Sunday and he's like, yeah, I just got back from Texas. I was at that convention. Oh, by the way, here, look at this. He goes, <laughs> oh, shit, you do. I'm like, I told you. Like, Why I, would I lie about that? What is there to gain for lying about that? Like, it's a fantastic game, but... <laughs> I know the people who wrote the expanded version of a free one-page game. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, that won me some actual gamer cred. <laughs> but yeah, I got Coin Age. I got that. I got um just little stuff. I think yeah. I got like a like a notebook from years prior or something. Mm. Oh, and a T-shirt. I I won a or uh bid on and won a T-shirt with the sessions logo on. Oh, it. Oh yeah, RPG sessions. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always look. I'm like, what has what on this table has the smallest footprint that I can fit into my suitcase or carry on. Yeah, well, I was I was fortunate that that dice tray actually both towers, towers you know, separate, and then the tray itself comes apart into technically four pieces. Mm-hmm. So I was able to disassemble it and wedge it into my carry-on. The limited build space of three D printers sometimes comes in handy. <laughs> Ironically, you know what ha- tripped the TSA going home though was the box of business cards that Steve had had printed. <laughs> really? It gave me part. Yes. What? What about that? Set them off. The density. Oh. Both times. Both times flying out of 
flying out of Fargo and then flying out of Texas. I expected. I got three dice bags in my in my in my carry on. I'm like, that's that's tripping. That's tripping TSA both times. Nope. Now the only thing, like, because getting on the plane here in Pittsburgh, they just kind of like, okay, have fun. Yep. Pittsburgh doesn't make you take your shoes off or anything. Do that really? No, they. Well, we everybody in line with me did. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're. Last time I flew out of Pittsburgh, they were super lax. But then coming back in through Dallas, they're like, "Uh, who belongs to the green bag?" I'm like, uh, "Me." It's like, "Is there anything in here that that's gonna, you know, poke me?" I'm like, "Well, there's a whole bunch of these little collectible buttons, right? Yeah. Maybe those." I said, "But you know, like, there's these little collectible pins, but you know, that's. I mean, other than that, no." And like, so the two agents are there going through, and they pull up the box of business card. Oh yeah, that'll do that every time. <laughs> well. Speaking of pins, I wanted to say this because my normal gaming bag, which is the bag that I took with me down there because can't leave home without it, normally has a bunch of those same style buttons all over the front of it. And I took them off and said, oh, I don't want to take these through security. And then I went to Gamer Nation Con. And, and got a whole bunch with of the whole bunch to go back through security. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't want to do in the first place. <laughs> but I appreciate the buttons because I do oh, like yeah. me some buttons. And, and to explain that, um, so for participating in certain types of events that are, you know, kind of within the the convention's theme or accomplishing certain things within a playing so many hours, running so many hours, you earn what's called gamer cred. And how it's supposed to work and hasn't necessarily worked this way in the past couple of years, but I have on good authority is going to come back next, starting next year, is the more gamer cred that you earn, the earlier you get to kind of register for games. So which is why at the auction, there was a gamer cred button, like 560 gamer cred points. Mm -hmm. And that's why it went for as much as it did. Aha. Yeah, I don't think. I didn't get that spiel at all. So no, I didn't hear anything about that. No, and and like I said, for the last couple of years, they had a big database. They lost some databases. Uh, they had a laptop die over COVID and and lost a bunch of information. So the last couple of cons, they haven't bothered with that. Last year's because it was such small attendance, and this year because they hadn't had a chance to rebuild that yet. Um, okay. Yeah, years passed. I mean, if you kind of hit certain levels, you get. Uh, you know, earlier, essentially, essentially ticket pre-sale uh, for for events. Boarding group A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much exactly that. And now boarding sky priority diamond diamond customers. But yeah, the auction was really neat. Like you know, board games. Um, mm -hmm. I know I ended up donated. Well, Jesse, who was also at the con, somehow had come by three copies of the original Eberron GM screen. So. He knows that Steve and I are Eberron fans or that, yeah, I'm an Eberron. So he messaged me, hey, do you want this stuff? Um, Just cover. Well, never mind. It's only going to be five bucks. I'm sending it to you. So I get, I get two of these screens in the mail. I'm like, what? I don't need two. So I'm like, I know what we can do. This makes a perfect auction thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we put that up. And like, again, I don't know, because both copies he sent me were pristine. That was in remarkably good condition. Yeah, and like I went, okay, I have two. I can't tell which one's in better condition. For being what 
15 years old at this point, maybe a bit longer than that. Yeah. It, I mean, but yeah. And it, I was really happy to see it went to GM Eric from Eberron Renewed. Yep. <laughs> and I heard him talking about, I think he said he was going to have Philip Matt and frame it for him. <laughs> for the artwork. Yep. Yep. That was exactly his plan. But yeah, I mean, it's just all around though. It, it, I mean, as a first timer and then Steve, you know, chime it, but it was a remarkably welcoming and just generally amazingly fun experience. And... Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, cause we didn't really like, we talked about what it was, but I absolutely love that. Like play win XP and you can win stuff at the end of the, you know what I mean? Like you can bid on stuff with the time that you spent playing games. Mm-hmm. I, I love stuff. Right. I love that. I think that's a great, like, I don't know. It, it It's kind of emblematic of the con itself as in like, it's a very pleasant thing to do. <laughs> and like, even the, the, the gamer cred buttons, I mean, at the end of the day, they're uh, up the size of a quarter little buttons with cool little, uh, you know, designs on them, but they encourage you to participate as much as as much as you wish to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just it. It's, it's, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of times there's Topple and, and Zumwalt in the corner, just talking Yeah. while the rest of the convention goes on around them. And you see that in all sorts of downtime too, between games, people are just sitting, talking, catching up. There may be a board game on the table. There may be not. People are going to lunch together. People are, you know, making new, making new adventuring parties. Mm-hmm. That's how I uh, ended up getting into the Thursday night game I'm in. I played a game with Darren a couple of years ago. He reached out to me a while back, said, hey, you were real fun at the table. You want to play in my game? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, Steve, you had you had said something about your, your cyborg game and how kind of afterwards it, it reminded you what you enjoyed about running games. Mm-hmm. And that is the big thing for me with this convention is every year. It is such a recharge of my my GM batteries because it is the you, you can't go down and sit at a table and not feel the just kind of infectious passion and energy that all these people have for gaming, mm-hmm. whether they're running the games or just playing in them. And it is every time I go down, I'm reminded of how many very talented friends I have and what cool stuff they're doing. Yeah, it. it... It was, yeah, like I, I only having experienced it once, I can't say that, oh, yes, retry, but it, it was, it was a very invigorating, like I'm already going, okay, I want to, I'm trying to plan for next year. Well, yeah, that's Sunday. I sat down and was talking to you or somebody else. I don't know who I was really talking to, but I said, I've already got, already figured it out. I'm running way more games i'm gonna run at least a game a day uh and i'm signing up for everything (laughs) yeah yep and that's just it i mean it's one of those cons where there's always something to do if you're if you're looking for that but being able to have that schedule is one of those things that's uh important for me as well just having that okay this is my time i've got blocked off this is where i can break for lunch dinner uh, and this is what i'm doing Mm -hmm. Um, yeah which I think some of that comes with, you know, having experienced it more than once. You, it also, it, like I said, I go, I go down to run games as well as play. Like yeah. y- you two had mentioned, kind of the weird moments of, of you know, people 
knowing who you were as podcast hosts. And it's it's a it's a weirdly similar thing with me. I, I've been around the network for a long time, uh, back to the OG Order 66. Uh, people know my name. And it's still so weird every time to have people I have never met going, oh, yeah, we were really excited to be able to play one of your games. Mm-hmm. Because they either know me from the blog or they've had friends and family in years past playing a game uh, that I ran and they got my reputation by word of mouth there. And so in in that regard, too, it's like, OK, yeah, no, I the, the stuff that I, I spend so many of my so much of my free time on. Yeah, uh, this is worth it. Yeah, it's, it's a weird sort of. And I think the thing is, is like Steve and I have joked about it, but like go do the podcast for ourselves. Really? It's just really nice that other people think it's at least entertaining. Yeah. It resonates. Yeah. It resonates with some people. But I think when you, when you get a face, not just an internet comment telling you that it resonated with them. Exactly. It's different. Yep. And like, I've got, you know, I've, I've, I've known Darren and Kate and Brev and, and all of these other people for, many years and I, I i i i take it at face value when they say no that was that was a real fun session a real good session you know i i take it for what it is but it's also a very different feeling when someone who you've not met gives you that same feedback mm-hmm. my it wasn't us meddling kids game was such a shocking success i guess i kept hearing like i come around the corner and one of the players that played in it was telling a story to somebody else and they were just, yeah, Terry was talking to me about it. That's right. Terry was talking to you, but then, then Leland was talking to somebody else about it. And that was bizarre. I was like, whoa, whoa. none of my players in my regular game would be walking away telling to randos, like not randos, but you know what I'm saying? People who didn't play in the game. Right. Like I was, it was, Yeah. I felt that. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, I know after it, Terry came up to me, he's like, I got to use the grenade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he's of been course it, it was Terry. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like that guy. He's uh, but yeah, and, and that's just it. It's, it's such a, you walk in there and immediately like you feel that, that sense of community, the camaraderie. Like you don't get at bigger cons like uh, Gen Con or PAX or, or what have you. But, it's also big enough where you're avoiding a lot of like internal politics from like small convention organizers and, you know, small local convention organizers and things like that. It, it, it's a convention that I, I hold every gamer needs to experience at least once. And once you experience it once, you'll want to experience it again. Well, I think the thing, and how do I want to say this? Yes, there's, there's those there who write and work on games, mm-hmm. but, I think the fact that it's put on by people who just genuinely love games mm-hmm. and don't particularly have a stake in the success of any one thing that they just want people to have a good time playing games really comes out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I said it in a Facebook post, but, you know, the organizing team, you know, Chris, Dave, Krista, uh, Hudson, Hudson and whoever else that, was involved, but we didn't see and whatever, you know, huge thanks goes out to them because I'm sure there had to be mountains of legwork behind things <laughs> that, you know, goes yep. 
they, unrecognized or unacknowledged. They bust their asses every year, and every year I'm so grateful for it. That being said, you know, keep your, your eyes and ears out. We'll talk about it as soon as we get information, but um, I'm told it is typically held the first full weekend in April that is not Easter. Correct. And, uh, and they're sport. saying Kickstarter announcement, the last Facebook... Uh, last Facebook post about it was the Kickstarter announcement is probably looking towards late summer, early autumn. Yep, generally it's around the August, September time frame. And we didn't even talk about what next year's theme is. Ah, yes. The Fellowship of the Gamers. Yes, nine. Nine conventions. So be it. And I'm already working on ways to subvert different lines, quotes, etc. Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is going to be a hard one for me because uh, not my cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, I love the Lord of the Rings. Don't get me wrong. Fantasy, however, is probably not typically my preferred gaming genre. So I've been told, okay, I, I can't, I, I, I can't do it. I can't, I didn't like the books and it's not out of any sort of just pure disdain. No, it's more so I just can't get past the fantasy stuff. <laughs> It's okay, Steve. You're allowed to be wrong. I know. I know. But... I I have actually never finished the, the the trilogy myself in books. I've read Lord or Fellowship of the Ring several times. I've tried the Two Towers several times, and every time Treebeard gets introduced, I look at the pages and pages of songs and poems and go next. Mm-hmm. That said, I know Andy Circus just released audiobooks of him reading and performing all three. I have an omnibus volume of them somewhere, but uh, yeah. And, and, and depending Steve and I are, well, I'm working on a plan and I'm thinking I'm going to rope Steve into it. Yeah. I, I think we can do that. Um, all I'm going to say is it does depend a little bit on Kickstarter fulfillment, but, and now for something completely different, <clears throat> but I think that cause the also inspired by, um, Somewhat inspired, at least on my end, the idea was inspired by something that um, the guys from Staggering Dragon did mm-hmm. in one of their actual plays. Oh. But, of course, pick it up, spin it around, turn it around, turn it upside down, and, you know. Somehow, some way we'll get there. Yes. We may fill you in, but we'll just leave the listeners. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> yeah. I, well, we, you know, we'll, we'll drop some hints as time goes on, but... Right. Um, yeah. You got a full year to string him along. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've already told people I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to take Delta Green to Middle Earth. I I could help you with that. Well, think about it though, seriously. No, no, but seriously, I could help you with that. Well, we could... I, I may enlist your help, but think of just <laughs> the hobbits dealing with the Nazgul. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That is a Delta Green scenario right there. In a way, hundred yeah. percent. The question is, do you have the agents? be the hobbits or do you have them investigating the hobbits <laughs> and that part i haven't figured out yet no good story starts with well an mk ultra <laughs> <laughs> a long expected conspiracy so what, anybody else have any closing thoughts other than holy crap can't wait for next year oh holy crap can't wait for next year if you have any appreciation for tabletop rpgs board games uh or just general nerd stuff make it a point to get down to this convention at least once. And at and the I, very least, you get to come see us. Right? Mm-hmm. You can ask for a photo with me and I'll be very confused. 
Uh, oh, wow. On to things a little less confusing. Okay. Uh, moving into our next segment, Game of the Week. Woo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right. You go first, Steve. I go first. Yes, you get to go first. Um. Okay. Well, I'm going to shout out something that I stumbled across and seems really cool. It's a expansion to Savage Worlds, and it is called Aether Adrift, and it's currently just a jumpstart. Seems maybe, I don't know, sci-fi, they're saying Mega Man Legends, Cave Story, Spiral Knights type thing. Very interesting. I don't know. It caught my eye, and I thought it looked cool. Cool. I can send a link if you need one. Yeah, put it in the green room. That way I can look it up later. But yeah, Savage Worlds is one of those, I've owned it now for a while, but I feel like I need to learn it on a table, not on a VTT. And I had planned to try and get a session in with Darren, but of course, times didn't line up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having played it in both VTT and on tabletop, uh, it's still fast on VTT, but it is night and day difference. Mm -hmm. Well, I just feel like, kind of getting my head around it's going to be significantly easier on a table. True, Yeah, also true. Plus, I'm technologically impaired, so. All right. So, uh, that's Steve's. You can be a little more wordy if you like, Ben. Steve was quiet this week. That's that's perfect, because I, I've, I've actually got two I want to talk oh, wow. about. And, and one I hinted at mm-hmm. uh, earlier. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Sentinel Comics role-playing game from mm-hmm. Greater Than Games. Uh, I got to run a couple of slots of it at Gamer Nation Con, uh, the second time that I have run it. And the more I run it, the more I start to realize that it is kind of my platonic ideal of a TTRPG, at, at least as far as superheroes are concerned. It's one of those games where, until they matter, the mechanics stay firmly in the background. And then once mm-hmm. they do... They step in and they are the center stage, but you're using them to narrate the comic panels as they're being quote unquote written. If you're at all familiar with the Sentinels of the Multiverse card game, I say I, I liken playing the RPG to playing a game of that. And I say that as the highest form of compliment. The dice resolution mechanics feel weird when you read them and have them explained. But once you throw a couple of dice pools on the table, I have not had a single player not pick it up. Okay. Yeah, I know we both kind of read over the jump start and we're kind of like, eh? It's, yeah, it's, I don't want to say poorly explained because it's not, but it's, it's just, it's a, it's weird concepts because mm-hmm. you've got the different die sizes and then they, they don't matter once they hit the table. But if you're familiar with like Cam Banks's other works and Cortex, the dice size does matter. But it's, it, once you, once you wrap your head around it, it's a, a very elegant, elegant way to figure out what the action is. And then it steps firmly into the background again while you and the rest of the table narrate the results of that action. Cool. Uh, the other one that I want to talk about is a Kickstarter that I discovered earlier this week. And boy, if I am not at the dead center of this Venn diagram, uh, the Kickstarter is for Inevitable, a doomed Arthurian Western RPG. Yeah, do me a favor. Drop me a link for that in the green room. Absolutely. I'm sure I can find Sentinels easy enough. Yes, it is. Um, so take take the stories of King Arthur, take Stephen King's The Dark Tower, and mesh them together even more than they already are. Uh, you are playing to lose, 
and I don't know much about the system, uh, but it is being uh, kickstarted currently by Soul Muppet Publishing. Uh, and it's one of those where as soon as I saw it, it wasn't even a second thought in hitting that back this project. I know that name from somewhere. The they Muppet. did, I think they said it in... Best Left Buried. Yes. Which I've heard very good things about. Yes, everything. Yeah, Best Left Buried, Orbital Blues, Digian Library. Uh, okay. Orbital Blues is phenomenal. <laughs> that is a great game. Just and, to put that out there. <laughs> uh, and the, the best part is they have very tightly focused their stretch goals on this to just make more material for the game, bring in new writers, and pay their writers better, as opposed to having kind of elaborate stretch goals that can bloat the project to non-completion. Mm-hmm. So I am very much looking forward to seeing what this uh, uh, what comes of this. That sounds really cool. Also sounds like something I really want to throw money at, but <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so I actually am kind of going to do a two for two, assuming you're done, that is. Uh, yes. Okay. And um, for those who listen regularly, remember, oh, a month or two ago, we had Owen Casey Stevens on. And um, amongst other things, uh, this was, you know, of course, all around the, the OGL debacle. And we actually had to postpone our recording with him for a week because he wasn't feeling well. And I don't know. If, and as it turned out, that allowed time for the uh, the grand development in that whole fiasco to take place. But um, I have a feeling this was around the time that, you know, he, he went to the doctor because he couldn't shake this stuff. Whatever turns out. Um, he was diagnosed, you know, he had a pulmonary embolism, was also diagnosed with some form of cancer. I don't know any details about anything other than I can imagine someone who has spent a career writing in the RPG industry and a lot of it as a freelancer probably does not have, uh, the greatest healthcare package that, uh, those of us who, who work for established corporations, et cetera, have access to. So what I kind of wanted to shout out was there's two bundles on DriveThruRPG right now. They're titled Owen's Medical Bills Bundles Number 1 and Number 2. They are a huge assortment of titles that he's worked on over the years from lots of publishers, you know, Green Ronin and and, and many others. Um, Rogue Genius. Genius, Genius yep. You know, just it's a lot of stuff. Um, I think bundle number one... Um, hang on, I'm still scrolling, is more than 100 titles, you know, combined value over 700 bucks. You're getting it for $34.95. Uh, I believe bundle number two. It's a very okay, similar. Yeah, over 80. Again, value over 700. Same price. Um, and this is adventures, campaign stuff, character stuff, core rule books, equipment stuff, setting books, stock art. I mean, it's just, you know, I see stuff in here from, like I said, you know, Green Ronin, EN World, or yeah, EN Publishing, rather, um, oh. Paizo, uh, stuff from uh, Rob Schwab, Shadow of the Demon Lord, you know, just, yeah, all kinds of stuff in, in both bundles. And, uh, you know, Owen, I mean, we had him on, great guy, is is almost universal. Almost universally. <laughs> universally regarded as like everyone's favorite uncle in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you don't know who Owen Casey Stevens is, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Odds you, are 
approaching 100% that he has worked on something that you have played a part of or played a game of. Yeah, you know, he told us, you know, he got his start actually writing for Dragon Magazine and I think at the beginning of the 3X era, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, I mean, on from there. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bother to list it, but there's stuff for 5th edition, 13th Age, you know, Mutants and Masterminds, Pathfinder, Starfinder, Savage Worlds, uh, Eclipse Phase, you know, Awfully Cheerful Engine, just, again, stuff and more stuff. Um, and, yeah, I mean good value for you goes to help a very, very nice person. Um, so that's, that's my games of the week or the Owens medical bills bundle number one and number two, because worthwhile cause. All right. Whew. We have rambled on for quite some time. I see you laughing, but you're muted. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on Ben and talk to us. Uh, talking I, to us and, and absolutely no i appreciate the invite uh happy happy to do so and yeah any any time yeah anytime you got if you got anything you want to talk about let us know and yeah we'd love to have you back cause, yeah yeah good time but with all that being said links to everything in the notes down below facebook discord twitter all yeah. of the games of the week all that fun stuff yep um, affiliate links patreon links if you think that uh we're worth you know a little something if not enjoy listen whatever (laughs) yeah and i want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some rpgs yep take care y'all bye Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Did you forget how to do this? Kind of. My brain is, is, uh, okay. All right. So three, two, I didn't turn my local on. Oh, I I never use, but I always do. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't turned my local on in so long, man. I always end up opening it and then forgetting to start it. We just (laughs) podcast. Well, see, I also, I started and forget to stop it. Yeah. I also use the timer on that as a timer for how long we've run. Oh, okay. Because um, when I have the window set, all I can see basically is just the time window. Yeah, see, I I started it and forgot it and had like eight hours of audio. And I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I just all deleted right. it all. I was like, Steve, <laughs> you got the recording? Yeah, I got it. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> so, let's try this again in three, two, one.
I have to apparently put my chickens away. So I will catch you all later. <laughs>